Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Watching the Tudors. Hello. We're back. Yay. We had a summer in there. Yep. We didn't get to do anything, but we're getting back on track now. So this is the show where we watch the Tudors and break down the drama, the stories behind the drama. And I'm Heather. And I'm Jonathan. And I've been podcasting about Tudor England on my podcast, the Renaissance English History Podcast, since 2009. And I've been hearing about history ever since I met her. (laughs) And we thought it would be fun to go through and watch the Tudors again and talk about the fact and the fiction and everything like that behind this most popular series. And for me, it's watching it the first time, and I don't know anything about all this stuff, so I'm constantly left with cliffhangers that Heather already knows the answers to. (laughs) But do you know, I don't know if you remember, in 2008, for my birthday, you bought me a DVD set of the Tudors. Yeah, I kind of sort of remember that. Yeah. It was like a premonition. Yeah, right? You knew that 10 years later we'd be doing this. Yeah. Um, Cool. Well, we are back in season three, and this is episode two. And there's a cat wandering around here. Um, So if you hear strange sounds. A new addition to our family this summer was a kitten that was found in the road. Yeah. Literally. Anyway, um, so we've got... We've got all kinds of drama happening. We've we got do. Jane. It's, it's all happening. I, th- I thought things were complicated before. You did. And now the country's on fire. It's literally. Yeah. Yep. Well, at least the northern part of the country. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Yeah. So we've got Jane bringing Mary back to court. Uh-huh. We've got Henry's leg. We've got Cardinal Pole, which we're going to talk about that. And the, yeah. the church getting involved in these politics. And then we've got a rebellion going on. It's all happening, really. It is. So do you want to start asking me some questions and we can just go through it? Yes. <laughs> Cat. Okay. All right. <laughs> so it seems as if Charles Brandon wants Cromwell's head out of all this. Well, you know, I don't know that Cromwell and Charles Brandon were ever good friends with each other. There was yeah, well, I mean, there's there's a there's a big gap between aren't good friends and that guy should die. Yeah, well, I think Charles Brandon was always a little bit more conservative. Um, yeah. Was one of the conservative ones, and also he didn't really you know, he didn't like Woolsey either. He kind of mm-hmm. didn't like these new men, even though it could be argued that he himself was a newer person. Yeah, so maybe that made him not like them even more. Yeah, I think maybe it was just the whole religious aspect of, of we're on God's side, so we're going to kill a bunch of people. Maybe he wasn't down with that idea. I don't know. And I also think that he just could see that he wasn't really particularly trustworthy and he switched sides a lot. That's probably how he saw it. You yeah. know, like first he was on Team Anne and then he was like bringing Anne's downfall about. And yeah. I think he probably just kind of thought like... Probably wants a rat out of the... Cromwell only has about three years left, so yeah. we're good. So then the leg with Henry and his gross Let's bone talk chips. about Henry's leg. Yeah. So what what would he have 
needed in t- like today's world, like to have gotten better. I mean, not, yeah. not that you were there and you're a doctor. But. No, but I've talked to a couple of people who have studied this, who have looked at Tudor medicine and mm. stuff like that. And the thing that people all say is all he really needed was antibiotics. So you maybe know, like if, a three week course. Yeah, of- he had an infection or he had a wound, the wound got infected, infected, and then he had an ulcer uh, mm-hmm. that and an abscess that kept bursting. Yeah. And um, he, it would heal over and then it would burst and then it, it got very messy. Yeah. So he would have had to probably <sighs> have had that drained and then have a course of antibiotics. Yeah. And Instead, they were rubbing these poultices on it, Ugh. some of which had lead, Ew. which actually there's a theory that he wound up having lead poisoning. Yeah, one of the kind of makes you mad, right? Exactly. One of the side effects of that is is mental issues. Yeah. Um and and so there's this whole theory around him and the lead poisoning. And yeah, they were they were doing they were basically like torturing him. Yeah. And because they didn't know anything different. Yeah. And so some of it probably made it a little worse. Yeah. And to be fair, I mean, we kind of knock this whole pre-modern medicine medical world, but they actually did have, there were probably some natural antibiotic properties in in some some of the the plants that they were using. And, you know, maybe that's why he lived as long as he did. I mean, it didn't kill him. So Right. Um, He lived for another 10 years after, 11 years after this. So, you know, it's it's not like he died right right away. Um, but yeah, you know, he, that's another long-term effect. There's, um, there's a whole book that Susanna Lipscomb wrote called 1536. And it's like, basically that's the year that Henry became the Henry that we remember the tyrant Henry before mm-hmm. then he was still decent. And, you know, in his, well, it's just funny. Cause I only know him from this show. Right. So I'm only just getting, he seems pretty tyrannical already. But, but he doesn't he seem even... worse than like a normal king. I guess, you know? I don't know. I don't know any kings. So right. he, this is just, this all. And also this show started with, what was it? The Field of Cloth of Gold was yeah. the very first scene in 1520. So that's already 11 years into his reign. Yeah. You know, when he first came to the throne, he was 17. He was, or, yeah, 17, I guess. And he was just this handsome, nice young guy and whatever. And, you know, he's slowly becoming this corpulent tyrant. How, um, how long was he with Catherine? 20, 20 couple. Well, he married her in 1509. And then the whole stuff with... Anne Boleyn started in around 1526-27, and then he finally so put her aside in 1533. Like 18 years before mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yeah. And during that time, you know, he had had a couple of mistresses. It's debatable. He actually, to be fair to Henry, he didn't have that many compared to what your average king had. Yeah. He, was, he was pretty old-fashioned and conservative when it came to his... He only had one son with Bessie Blunt that we know of. Um, Mary Boleyn probably, yeah. and and there were some others in there, but you know, and there were like Anne of Cleves's father, right? We said he had ninety two children that were illegitimate children. Or so. I think it was ninety two, some enormous amount. So you know, it's he wasn't he was pretty old fashioned and conservative for a king. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So fifteen thirty six is kind of the year where Henry becomes the person that we remember. And a lot of it is because of this leg injury. And if you yeah. just think about it, he's in pain. Yeah. Like I know what it's like to be in pain. Yeah. It just colors everything. Like, and plus you think about it, like if you're the king and you're in pain, it's like, you're supposed to be able to like fix stuff. Yeah. Like it's not you just like a think. normal uh-huh. human being. And, and it's just like, this isn't supposed to happen to me. I'm the yeah. bloody king. Yeah. Yeah. Did he become like his own doctor after that? Because he kind of seemed like, oh, I'm going to figure this out. Or yeah. Did he? 
he'd always been into medicine. He was very much hypochondriacal, and it was a personality trait of Henry's. You remember in the in the scene or in the yeah, show where the sweating sick box he had the of, box of all of his potions, and he was always yeah. moving around. And you know, there's a, his brother died likely of, and they think it was probably of the sweat. It's still debatable, but mm-hmm. that's a likely explanation. And then. You know, his mother died when she was only 37 and um, his father, he, he had, he lost, you know, he lost several brothers and sisters. Only three of them made it to adulthood out of, I think there were seven originally. And so, which is, which was normal for them, but it's still, it would have made you a little bit hypochondriacal. And yeah, so, sense. yeah, he, he always had a really keen interest in medicine and in figuring stuff out. So he definitely mm-hmm. would have taken an active part. Yeah. Yeah. And then Brandon arrives in London expecting there to be like a big force waiting for him. Um, yeah. The whole thing, this, they kind of mix around a number of different roles here because it was like the Duke of Norfolk was actually the one that was going to talk to the rebels and they show Brandon doing that. I don't even think I saw Norfolk anywhere no. in, in this scene or in this see, show. So it's all just kind of mixed up. Like yeah. It, it, someone showed up in London at some point. Somebody showed up. People. I mean, I think the gist of this is to show that like the country was not prepared for it just wasn't, what was it going on It just on wasn't here. organized. It's it just yeah. sort of... And yeah. also the other thing, I think it's important to talk about this because this is the age before there's a standing army. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now there's armies yeah. and even like Henry is famous for having built up the Royal Navy, Navy for mm-hmm. example, with his big ships. Um, before this period, if, if a king wanted to go to war on the sea, he had to like borrow merchant ships, yeah. you know, and that's still how it was with, with the army. Um, that there wasn't a standing army. So you had to rely on all of these different people to bring their own people from their lands. And, you know, the people who lived on your lands were obligated to a certain extent, um, you know, to to fight. It's such an odd odd thought. Yeah. Thinking of like an army is just a bunch of people who like wish they could be home working, but they like got called up by their duke or whoever who they like, you know, owe a favor to. And it's like, this, this sucks. And there were laws around, um, like, for example, there were laws that on Sundays men had to practice archery yeah. for two hours yeah. or something. And so, you know, there were laws that were trying to keep people ready yeah. if they needed to be. Um, yeah, but it there wasn't, like, a standing army where you could say, okay, these troops go here. You really were reliant on, like, then we see with Lord Darcy and defending Pontefract mm-hmm. Castle. Like, you were you were reliant on these nobles who in theory, it was this whole idea of like, you give them the land, then they need to protect it. So so it's like, everyone was kind of in like the army reserve. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So but the thing is, like, nobody was prepared for this, really. And, yeah. um, and that's why they were able to get as far as they did. I think there, it'd be interesting to see a study of preparedness for the pilgrimage of Greece. Yeah. But um, there isn't one that I know of, just people weren't really ready for it. So what was like the breakdown in the people like so i I was just thinking there was the clip where it showed the the girl from the court you know saying stuff about those heathen kind of catholics and their old ways yeah um and jane seemed to be you know upset was there kind of like a generic breakdown of people who were protestant and catholic or Mm -hmm. was it just kind of randomly spread no it there's it's actually interesting because there 
There was a history in England of a reform movement in the east of the country with the Lollards of the 14th and 15th century. Okay. That was a movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with the people at court. the mm-hmm. And also in the southern, like in the home counties and the places where there was trade. Basically, if there was trade with the places where these new ideas were forming, like with the German states and with the low country. But it was like locational, I guess. It was a lot of it, yeah. So Mm. if you were closer to the court and if you had trading relationships, even if you were in deep Sussex or something and you never went to court, if you had these kind of trading relationships with the Germans or the people in the low countries or something, you would probably be more open just because you would talk to those people. You've heard about these ideas and people tell you about them. Yeah, and you probably have seen the literature, even if it wasn't supposed to come in, you've probably had a chance to see yeah. it if you were literate and stuff like that. So um, those kind of people were more open to it. Now, the further you got away from court and the yeah, further you got from that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just this foreign idea. And a lot of people have said, you know, basically like Cromwell was able to um, to bring this reformation in and Anne Boleyn and all that when the majority of England probably didn't want it. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what just seems kind of strange to me. Like, yeah, it just yeah. reminds me of things in today's world where like vocal, you know, vocal minorities, mm-hmm. you know, kind of can get what they want sometimes. Yeah. Even though it's like 5% of people. Yeah. They're just really loud and, and won't shut up. And, and they were, they had access to the king and they were, you know, it's. Exactly. Oh, well, yeah. If you surround the king, I mean, that's like mm-hmm. in these, in these times, if you surround the king. Yeah. It seems like that's what's going on. Like, yeah. It's, it seems like that's the, the, the way things are going. Yeah. It's so there the is things are going around you. There is this thought of like if Arthur Tudor had never died and Henry never became king, you know, would England have become Protestant? And, wild. and you know, I think that to a certain extent there probably would have been a reform in the church just because um there was this history of wanting reform with the Lollards. Yeah. So there probably would have been some kind of openness to a movement like that but i don't know that it would have gone to the extent that it and went when and where i mean i, I mean yeah would it have happened in the next hundred years or? exactly yeah. yeah all right um so then the castle like they really rolled like mm-hmm. the big crew rolled up on the the big crew the... rolled up on it <laughs> yep they sure did and that was the guy's name darcy Lord darcy yeah yeah and in, he... in york Yorkshire Pontefract or? Castle, yeah. Pontefract, and he he kind of willingly turned it over. He he's then executed, but we'll see that later. Yeah, for treason. And then so the rebels, like, oh, we never put in our spoiler alert. We haven't done this in a while. Okay. <laughs> I just said he was executed. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Um, in case you didn't know, we, we might give things away in the future. So. I'll put it in the, I'll put it in the notes. <laughs> All right. Hello, kitten. Kitten alert. Kitten alert. It's kitten and spoiler alert. The rebellion, the, the rebels. Yes, the rebels. They were basically, like, they, they were kind of, kind of representing the people. Mm-hmm. And, the, and representing them in that they wanted to remain Catholic and have their churches back. Yeah, I mean, the, a big thing of it was just, and we've talked about this before, the role that the church had in everyday life for people. Uh-huh. Yeah, they the were church like the school was, and the hospital. The hospital, the hospitality, the all, like hotels, all of it, doctors, all of those people. It was the church that did that. And also just, it's hard to understand for us in a secular world, 
how much of your day and your life was consumed by things of the church. The church dictated what you could eat on certain days, you Mm -hmm. know, like every Wednesday and Friday was a fast day and all of Advent and all of Lent and, you know, all of this kind of stuff. So that was ingrained in you. You went to you went to church X amount of times per day or X amount of times per week. And that was dictated by the the church. Um, It it dictated the days that you could have sex, you know, and it was like everything and not like people actually abided by that. But there was this whole, you know, kind of thing. So the church was such a powerful force in England before the Reformation. And it's hard for us to wrap our heads around that. And if if it happens so quickly, and you're not even in the place where it is happening, where these decisions are being made. Mm -hmm. So you don't, you're just getting the trickle down of it. I mean, it's like, like, no, this is like our, this is our our life, our way of living. Like, what are you doing here? Yeah. Because Thomas Cromwell wants to do something, you know, who's who's bloody Thomas Cromwell. So then, yeah, we talked about, um, Henry ruling in pain. That must've been rough. It must've been really rough. And then they were showing more of the, the, the fighting. Like when did guns show up on the scene? So there were the Chinese invented gunpowder in like the 10th century, something like that. Um, and, and they used it for fireworks and things like that. It wasn't really used in Europe until like the 14th, 15th century, you start to see it, but it was really unstable. You know, you'd like load a gun and or load a cannon, it would like explode all over. Yeah. And so it it was more of like, if you were going to besiege a castle, it was you'd bring your cannon in more out of like special. And it was also to scare them, you know, because if you were behind a a wall, Uh and this person, the you know, they brought this big giant cannon up, you'd be like, Oh, holy crap, right? Yeah, like that thing can go through our castle. No problem. They got a giant cannon. Never mind. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so it was for intimidation a lot a lot of times too um guns were starting to be used by this time um a lot of times it would be also during the wars of the roses there were specific regiments or specific people in in the in the duke's men or you know in the army as such as it was that specialized in being able to use guns Mm -hmm. um but it wasn't a lot of people and they weren't very good at it. Yeah. So often they found that, you know, it just, it was more trouble than it was worth. Okay. Yeah. And do they know the, like Brandon was camped out, like when they were shooting these guns, they were like training. Like, mm-hmm. do, do, do they actually know the farmhouse where they camped out on? Well, there was something, yeah, I was just looking that up and they do have a couple of these farm, these farmhouses still that you can see. There's one, um, I was looking for that one you said in Newark, and I didn't find that one, but I found uh, I found a couple that are still there. I don't know that they know exactly which farmhouse okay. it is, but there are a couple that they know. They would have served would've... those purposes. And exactly. Things. And then those numbers are pretty accurate. Like Shrewsbury had 6,000, and the whole rebellion was around 30,000. Yes. Wow. That's a yes. lot of people. Yes, that's it a, was. That's a big operation. It really – and when you think about it in terms of like – um, working age men who, you know, I mean, it was like a huge percentage. Yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then who, who was the father? I guess later we learned his name, Reginald Pole. Like he, he was the, yes. he was a father, like a pastor. Yes. And then so, they made him a, a bishop. <laughs> they told him, you're going to go 
shopping for mercenaries and you're beginning to become a cardinal or we saw him at the beginning of this last season go to the pope and say or at the beginning of season three Uh which has been a long time ago now um show up and say i want to be here and serve the pope um he was the son of a woman called margaret pole margaret pole was the um Countess of Salisbury in her own right. I think she was maybe the first woman to ever hold that hold a position like that in her own right. Okay. Now she was the daughter, Margaret Pole was the daughter of the Duke of Clarence, who was one who was the brother of Edward the Fourth. So Margaret Pole would have been cousins with Elizabeth the First, who was Edward the Fourth's daughter. Basically, she was related to the lot. There were th- the three sons. We talked about this in the Wars of Roses. Mm-hmm. Edward, the three brothers: Edward the Fourth, Richard the Third, and the Duke of Clarence. And Edward the Fourth was the one who became king. Then the Duke of Clarence rebelled against him, and Richard and he was killed, um, drowned in a vat of Malmsey wine. They say, mm-hmm. and then Richard the Third became king after Edward the Fourth died because he did or did not kill his nephews. <clears throat> he probably did. So. <laughs> Anyway, I don't know, but he probably did. Um, So the Duke of Clarence is this one in the middle, and his daughter is Margaret Pohl. So then her son is Reginald Pohl. So he is the grandson of the Duke of Clarence. So if Henry Tudor isn't king now, the other lines are all out. Yeah. He could potentially be the ruler. Wow. Yeah. Did you understand all that? I'm kind of tuned out. Oh. Like in the middle. Okay. But that's cool. He's kind of the last of the Plantagenet line. Yeah. He's a Plantagenet. He's a Plantagenet. His mother will be executed. She was like 70 something at the time. Jeez. And she apparently fought it off. Yikes. Like tried. She kept running around. Sounds like something an old lady would do. You ain't killing me. Ah. Apparently there was something like 13 strokes to get her head off. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So then, yeah, we said, we don't know if Brandon particularly met with the people, but someone met with the rebels. Yes. Norfolk. Norfolk was the one who was going there. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And then, and then there was a scene real quick in the, back in the castle or whatever with the king. And he said something about the shrine of Thomas Beckett. Ah, yes. What is that? Well, Thomas Beckett was. Who is that? Or So Thomas Beckett was the Archbishop of Canterbury, who was appointed or nominated to be Archbishop of Canterbury under Henry II. Henry II was the first Plantagenet king. So look, it all comes full circle. Henry II was ruling in 1154. Whoa. So you can add up how long those Plantagenets were on the throne, huh? A long time. That's like 350-odd years of Plantagenet rule. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a weird name. Yeah. It comes from, like, the person that Matilda married, Geoffrey de Plantagenet. It was, like, French. Okay. Okay. So, um, so Thomas Beckett, the king nominated him thinking that he was going to do everything he wanted, that he was going to have this servant, basically, who was going to stand up to the Pope for the king's rights. Because there's this constant struggle. It's been going on forever between king and Pope. Where does papal jurisdiction end? Where does the king's jurisdiction begin? So I'm guessing the guy who thought he was going to have his back. Did not. Yeah. 
And then what happened was Henry got really ticked off about it. They fought for a long time. Thomas Beckett actually had to leave and go to, I think he was in France for a while. And like he had to leave because he was was there. exiled. Yeah. And even though he was Archbishop of Canterbury, all of England was under an interdict for a while. It was all just a bad scene. And then they are supposedly make up and then they have a fight again. And Henry II says in a group of people, will no one rid me of this archbishop who does no good to me, whatever. And and this is like apocryphal, but that's supposedly what happened was that he said, like, will no one get rid of this archbishop for me? Will no one rid rid me of him? So four of his knights think that that's a good idea. And they ride down to Canterbury and they murder him in cold blood right in the church. Wow. Yeah. And this was a really big deal. Uh Like Henry II had to do penance for it. Like, he had to cl- go on his knees to Canterbury and like pray and all, and they made it a big shrine. Whoa! So th- by this point, the shrine of Thomas Becket is like four hundred years old almost, yeah. and um, it's very important. It's a place where you go to pray, and it was one of the places that when as they were dissolving the monasteries and getting rid of all of that kind of stuff, there was a lot of uprising because people did not want to lose their shrine of Thomas Becket. And then who was who's the Archbishop these days? Thomas Cranmer. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And who was the one before? Wareham. It wasn't Woolsey, it was someone else. Woolsey was the um, York, Archbishop of York. Okay, just... Yeah. Just all, going to visit the shrine and you're killing everyone and... Yeah. It's confusing. Yeah. All right. So that was another Henry who who got in trouble for people yeah upset yeah people drama all over the you place. thought you were just gonna learn tudor history with this look at this you're learning early plantagenet i mean we're we're going all we're all over the map <laughs> we're all over the historical map in this Pretty show soon we're going to talk about the viking invasions you don't even know <laughs> gonna bring in modern history talk about the in, in no i don't know anything after 1688 yeah that's cool all right so 1688 was the glorious revolution there you go that was oh that was a good year (laughs) so now mary's back on the scene mary is back on the scene and this is a thing like mary just is back yep mary's back and like hey yep she was reunited with him and then the king's like calling everyone out yep he's like like, you guys everyone wanted to kill her yep man it's getting he's just like it's getting wild yep well, she apologized. She wrote her letter saying she was illegitimate and yeah. she recognized it and she should not have rebelled. And that was what Henry needed and yeah. wanted and needed to have to make himself feel better. And so she's back. That's wild. And then, so then Francis, the eye patch guy uh-huh. was talking to her and he said like, you know, will you please forgive me? Like what, what was he talking he about? He was again? one of the people who went and threatened her. Oh, and she was like staying at the house yeah. and he was like, yeah, you better sign yeah. this or I'm going to like cut you or something. Exactly. Okay. And then I was thinking about it because, uh, you know, that Francis guy was like touching that girl's hair and she's like, no, I'm the Kings. And I was yeah. just thinking about how they all get around and were there STDs back then? 
I think, yeah, there were, it wasn't as much as today, but okay. there, and there were, I think there was more kind of immunities to it, but, um, yeah, there, there were still STDs and okay. I think there were just different kinds. Yeah. And, um, I think I'm trying to think there, there were some different, different ones than we had. I read a book one time about Elizabethan prostitutes and the STDs that they had. It wasn't a whole book. It was a chapter. In a book. <laughs> I was going to say that's, that's a lot of research. <laughs> I don't know how you do that much research. No, it was a cha- it was a chapter, and they were talking about the different kind of STDs, and the- they were somewhat different. Yeah, but I mean, they still had like syphilis and stuff. Good times. Yeah. So, do those two rebel commander guys like really go to the king and like kneel at him and mm-hmm. and get yeah? Yelled I mean, at they, and- that was yeah. They they were there, and he invited them to come mm. and and made a show of wanting to you know bring his subjects back and yeah. all of that. That, that, that's brave. I mean, that's brave. Mm-hmm. Like just going into the heart of like yeah. the enemy, basically. Yeah. Ooh. And was that more or less what 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 was said with, between the king and and those uh, commanders? Yeah, I think again they added some dramatic effect kind of stuff. But the, but, the but point like, of it is that the king said he was willing to issue pardons and that he was willing to listen to their demands. And and I think I've asked you this like a million times, but uh-huh. it still interests me. Do we know like? roughly what was said at these places i mean what what kind of records i mean was there a guy like taking a transcription i mean not like a yeah not so much but but usually what would have happened is somebody like cromwell would have written some notes or somebody would have written a letter to somebody you know to another Uh, okay so like like someone who couldn't have been there or something Mm -hmm. and it would have said that you know, like it was, it's such a shame you couldn't have made the trip, but the king said this or even, and blah, blah, blah. Even not for that, but for to just keep them in the, like Cromwell had relationships with other people that he was cultivating throughout the country to okay. be his support, right? Okay. It was like, have, it was this whole like I networking so he, thing. And so, so from, from accounts of stuff like that, yeah, we can know roughly. Yeah. Okay. And a um, lot of them say different variations on the same thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And different, and different people telling different different their sides friends, of it exactly and also sides. like letters from ambassadors if there would have been um, like that's actually a lot of it is you get letters from ambassadors written back to, back their, to their country or, and you uh, know this is what's going on and i heard tell that, somebody that told me that in this the, meeting yeah, this happened yeah. but then this other person said that in that meeting this happened yeah. so we're still trying to figure out which it was and you know we think it was this based on this kind of stuff and so there were a lot of letters that's like that that were written yeah yeah um and then, well, we'll talk about it in a bit. Oh, the, when they left, they turned their back on the king. Like yeah, they would not, <laughs> they would not have been able no, to do that, right? No, okay, no. I didn't think so. It seemed all wrong. Yeah, it was. Um, and then was is it Jane? Is that what her name? Jane Seymour, the wife. Jane Jane Seymour. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Was Jane like really kind of pressuring him like that? Yeah. There's some debate as to how much, but she definitely. Was sympathetic to them and was saying, "Oh, it'd be nice Mm -hmm. if." Yeah, and he had to tell her to to shut shut up. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Like I know you don't know what they talked about in their bedroom, but he's like, "Remember my last wife?" Yeah, exactly. Whoa. Okay, I'm I'm done. Yep. yep. Do you want any dinner? Like, Like, yep. Oh man, (laughs) jeez. And then the church. Like the Pope, mm-hmm. were they really kind of 
okay with overthrowing the king? I mean, yeah. or was that like their goal or just if it happened, whatever? I think they would have been very happy to have somebody on the throne who was a Catholic. Yeah. Okay. So, so however that looked. So they weren't necessarily going for that. But if the king came back and all... apologized and came back, that would have been great. Yeah. And if he didn't, then get somebody else there. And that's wild. It's a lot of power and money you're fighting over. And, you know, that later became, I think I said this, that became the problem with Elizabeth and Mary, Queen of Scots, because Mary, Queen of Scots was cousin to Elizabeth, yeah. first cousin once removed, I think, because she was yeah. the next generation down. But anyway, um, and the not only and the, and the Pope and the Catholics saw Elizabeth as illegitimate because Henry was still officially married to Catherine when yeah. Elizabeth was born yeah. and they saw her as illegitimate. And so they're waiting in the wings and Elizabeth's Protestant and then they're waiting in the wings is nice Catholic, completely legitimate. Legitimate Mary Queen of Scots, and so all of the other Catholic countries and the Pope were like, you it know, let's let's make her queen. Yeah, and Elizabeth didn't really have a lot of choice of what to Dang. do with with that. Chopped her head off. Yep, that's rough. And then they held her head up to say, "This is what happens to the enemies of the king," and like she's wearing a wig and her head went rolling. <laughs> <laughs> Your nasty bald head. I think she had gray hair, but yeah. What's that? What? All in- fruit. Like, just the, the king was eating his fruit from the new world, and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm good with whatever. Yeah. Like, it's just, it was a strange scene. Like, yeah, it was. He's like, oh, you know, Cromwell, I don't, I don't, I'm good. I'm eating fruit. <laughs> like, just let whatever happens. We get a new person I got in. my fruit. When we get a new person in, my leg hurts. And then they had the second meeting where they promised all the, all the um all yeah. the stuff like with the with the parliament, the parliament and, all that kind and of so stuff. here's the thing i mean here's what's so weird for me because yeah. for me so spoiler <laughs> spoiler alert if yeah. you don't want to know what happens in the, with all of this just skip it like i didn't know if this was all going to happen yeah because like, well, they just neither leave did you they. hanging yeah no i know but you do i do yeah yeah, should we tell everyone or just let it go? We can just let it go. Yeah, because you know, I think we it. can end this, at, or you know, just leave people with the idea that yeah, they think it's going to happen. Yeah, just like like it's amazing that all this stuff is going to happen. They're like, what, you know, we were successful. Our cause was successful. Yeah. Like, look at yeah. us. The king's listening to us, and he's even having dude over to talk to him. Yep. I don't. I don't know if I trust that. Nope. All right. Is that it? I mean, I get that's pretty much it. It was you were going to ask me what it's happens. It's just a lot of question time. about what happens in the future, but we yeah, will find out we in will the future. Find out in the next episode. Well, the next I it's think a lot future, of this season. It's in the past. Like that's what's so crazy about history. Well, thank you so much for listening to us. <laughs> what? Yeah, thank you. Okay. And you can learn more about us at watchingthesuitors.com. You can learn more about my other podcast um, at englandcast.com. There's over 110 episodes there. Um, you can learn all. Oh, and the new Tudor Radio Network is coming up too. Yeah, there is a t- there's a new way to listen to watching podcasts the Tudors and music and talk shows from lots of different Tudor podcasters and stuff. So Twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. TudorRadioNetwork.com. Tudor it's launching officially in December, but yeah. you can learn more about the project at TudorRadioNetwork.com. And if you could leave us a review on iTunes, that'd be great. Five that stars would be. would be absolutely wonderful. Mm-hmm. If, if you hate the show, just send us an email instead. <laughs> much more personal you can't send an email to jonathan i don't like getting emails jonathan.tesco at gmail.com oh god all right (laughs) all right thank you for listening Bye.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365 day returns.